Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. Appreciate you, big dog. All right. Beach Church, how y'all doing? Y'all good? You sure? All right. Make me believe it by making some noise for the Lord one time. Y'all missed the cue. I said, make me believe y'all are good by making some noise for the Lord one time. Make some noise for you. There it is. It's good to be with you. Uh, My name is Legend. Thank you so much for having me here. I go by Legend simply because my name is Nigel, and Legend is just Nigel spelled backwards. And it just says that God flipped my life around. That's the whole point of that. So, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm a rap artist. I'm a preacher. So I've got sermons up. And if you like music, I'm on Amazon, Spotify, Apple. If you just look up L-E-G-I-N, you'll find a ton of stuff. But for 10 years, I've been a full-time artist and speaker, going to churches, conferences, camps, some prisons, and just giving a message of the gospel and forgiveness and hope and value. So uh, thank you for letting me, my wife Tia and I be here with you today. We're really honored. Uh, it's, it's, our phone never has to ring, so it's always a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be with God's people, especially on a Sunday morning. So thank you, Pastor Jimmy. I appreciate you. And by the way, man, Jimmy just texted me out the blue out of nowhere. I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying about this. And I'm like, how did he know? Like, you, you, you got the cheat code. You tapped into the spirit, man. You, you text me those prayers about very specific things, and I really appreciate you for that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't normally, in the morning when I wake up, I try, to, I try to read first to take it easy. I don't really watch movies or TV when I get up. I love, I love movies. I'm in entertainment. Like, I love, I love movies. Anybody love movies? Show of hands, saints. Thank y'all. I love movies. And uh, my friend recommended one to me the other day, and I started watching it. It's a film called Silence, Martin Scorsese film. Have you heard about it? I didn't know anything about it. It's, it's starring uh, Andrew Garfield and uh, whoever played Kylo Ren, I can't remember his name, but those two guys, and, and they are uh, Christian Jesuit missionaries uh, trying to break into Japan uh, to find their lost mentor who has been kidnapped during persecution for preaching the gospel. And it is an interesting story about everything that they went through uh, to not only serve the, the Christians who are in hiding there, but trying to find their mentor in the process. And all this is, hard, is a hard watch. It's a lot of persecution. It's a lot of stuff going on. And what struck me, and I woke up, I said that because I woke up this morning and I had a desire to finish the film. I had about 30 minutes left. And I'm like, this is not what I do in the morning. But I'm like, all right, let me do it. And I cut it on and I'm glad I did for this morning because the thread came together to me about our topic today of how much this priest had to actively work through forgiveness while he's in prison cells, while he's watching the people he came to serve uh, get, get beaten for the name of Christ. And why, he's, and why he has to forgive himself in his moments of weakness when he, he hopes that they reject the faith just so they can escape and then go get it later. And he goes back to a cell and says, God, forgive me, and trying to forgive his enemies. And I'm just watching this extreme measure of forgiveness acted out on this amazing film and then thinking about how hard it must have been for him to try to work through that stuff. But then I think about how hard it is for us to work through forgiveness in the day-to-day mundane stuff, Right? Like, we know forgiveness is important, man. You, show of hands if you know that that's pretty important to Jesus. A, another show of hands if you'll be honest in church and say it's really hard to do. 
is real. Thank you for both hands up early. Appreciate you working through your unforgiveness today. So it's hard, man. It's not easy. And the good thing is Jesus never said it was going to be. He said do it, but he never said it's going to be an easy thing. So we'll give ourselves some grace as we journey through this forgiveness today. I want to show you this passage that really jumps out to me about Jesus's uh, priority about forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, this is easy to look at when somebody, you know, has said something offensive or stubbed our toe or made a comment on social media. We don't like, we can maybe let that go. But what do you do when it's the unforgivable? What do you do when it's a a spiritual leader, a pastor that's let you down and betrayed your faith? What do you do when it's a spouse or a loved one, somebody you care about deeply, or a parent, or a child, a mentor, a mentee, who has hurt you in the deepest way? And maybe it shouldn't hurt that bad because in the big scheme of things, it's not a thing, but to you, it has struck you at your core, and you don't know how you're going to let it go. What do you do then? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that as the lyric said, if we're, we're walking in freedom, and then the next line said, we're walking in forgiveness. God, that's, those lines weren't there by coincidence. I pray that you would remind us of the freedom of forgiveness, not only that you've given us in the next life and in this life, but the freedom of forgiven, forgiveness you've given us to give away. Uh, and never said it would be easy, so thank you for the grace of knowing our humanity but give us the strength to push forward into the next place of walking that out, whatever that looks like for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, my father uh, was, my mom and dad were married for 10 years, right? Uh, they had a good marriage, good life. Uh, he was a news reporter. They lived in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, and, and around the time I showed up, the first, the first and only child they had, uh, I, was, I was born into the situation, and shortly after that, my dad's parents passed away. And so what he started to do was to drink a little bit of alcohol to cope with all the stuff. He was already a social drinker, but it, it turned into alcoholism at this point. And, and, and then the drugs popped in, and they turned into a drug addiction at this point. And so the guy that my mom married, with all of his issues and flaws he already had, it turned into something else. And now she's going to rehab and trying to salvage what she can. And after five years of this, and three failed rehab attempts, and my dad making it very clear one day that he's not going to fight anymore. He's going to stay here, and you got to deal with it. My mother had to make the very unfair decision, do I save my marriage or do I save my son? And she chose me. She moved back here to Virginia Beach, where I lived and where I've been ever since, obviously, still here. And my dad went back to D.C., uh, where he lived three and a half hours away, and I didn't see him for the next 15 years. And, you know, you start to grow up and wonder, why am I not worth it? Why am I not enough for you to stop what you're doing to come get me? Why would, why would you bring me here just to abandon me, essentially? One day at 12, 13, he, he reached out and said, hey, uh, I bought a cherry red Mustang, and I'm coming on this day to pick you up. Get ready, pack your bag. We're going to make up for lost time. I waited by the door. Nothing. And something breaks in you, and you start to say, well, if you don't care about me, 
and forget you too then. Like, I've got to defend myself and make stuff make sense somehow. And I started to pull together pieces of what I thought manhood was from friends and popular culture and other people's dads and athletes and artists and entertainers. And they look like they've got everything together. They got all the art. They got all the money. They got all the women. Nobody's no pain. Let me just be this. And you start to create a fake self because really you don't like yourself. At the age of 20, um, I got a letter from him. And he said, uh, I need to come see you. I need to ask for your forgiveness for what I've done. Could we have dinner? Could we have dinner? So um, Jesus has this band of 12 unqualified ragamuffins that your scriptures call disciples. And uh, <laughs> none of them deserve to be there if you read the backgrounds and look into it. But our Lord is gracious. And one day they're walking around and Jesus is, you know, uh, you know walking on water and, and, you know, multiplying fish sandwiches on the, on the side. They're seeing all these miracles happen, right? That's, that, that Jesus makes fish sandwiches. That's my thing. You read the end. He does it again when he comes back. He's on the beach making fish sandwiches. He likes fish sandwiches. Nothing wrong with that. I like fish sandwiches. God does too. Anyway, he's doing all these miracles, right? Uh, and then one day, at about, you know, year, year, some change into this thing, they think to ask him a Christianity 101 question. They say, hey, could, could you, uh, this is nice and all, but could you teach us how to pray? And he says, sure. When you pray, pray like this. Y'all know it. Say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Baked into the Lord's prayer that we say out of memory sometimes is the, is the metric of forgiveness that God has for us. Forgive us our debts as we've already forgiven everybody else. Why is that in there? Why is that so important? There's a theologian or a pastor somewhere that can say this way smarter than me. But I think, I think you could make this case that forgiveness is literally why Jesus came to earth. It's the literal purpose and reason why he's here, right? We can put that all on the sin debt stuff, and you wouldn't be wrong about that. But I think the holistic aspect of forgiveness, about the freedom we experience in life, this, this life and the life to come, is literally why Jesus came to earth. When he comes, uh, in, uh, when he reveals himself, right? He's, he's walking through, through uh, past Jordan, and, and, and John's there baptizing folks and all that, and then he sees this figure coming, and he says, that's him. That's, 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 the, that's the lamb who's going to save the entire world. That's the, the one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. That's who I've been telling y'all was coming. That's the guy I'm making the way for. He's here, right? And Jesus walks up to John and says, well, you have to baptize me. And John says, I can't baptize you. Like, this is, that's, that's not how this is supposed to go. He says, this is mandatory to fulfill all righteousness. So John, uh, he, he submits and he baptizes our Lord and Savior, what an honor that must have been. His entire life was for this one dunk. That was it. He does this. The Lord comes out. The, uh, the heavens rip open. You hear the Father's voice. The Spirit comes down like a dove, ascends, and, he's, and you hear everybody there hears, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus' ministry has started. He's announced himself. The King has come. And the very next thing he does is leave all of that behind and go away to be by himself for 40 days in the wilderness. Like this is the moment you rally the troops and get to work and Jesus just left it all behind because he just didn't, he didn't follow the steps, right? He just went away. 
He goes in the wilderness. He battles Satan. He beats Satan at his own game. Where Adam and Eve failed in Genesis 3, Jesus picks up the ball as the second Adam, as Corinthians would call him. And, he, and, and when Satan tries to say, did God say, like he did in Genesis 3, did God really say, are you sure? And Adam was, he was like, I don't know. I think, well, let me try with your way. When he comes to Jesus with that, did God say? Jesus goes back and says, yes, it is written right here. And he, he, he wins that argument just by going back to the Scriptures. I said all that to set up. The very first thing Jesus says when he leaves that part of it and begins his public ministry for three, three and a half years, he says he walks up, he says, the time has come. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. His first public message. Turn from everything you're trusting. Turn to everything I'm giving you. Change your mind on these things. Repent from your sin. Believe in the Savior. So what is the very first thing? Part one of this, uh, this breakdown in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. It says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Raise your hand if any of you guys have ever sinned against God by a show of hands. Just one or two honest saints in the room. Early again with the two hands up. You know, we already know who's the, uh, the most unholy among us. Thanks, early. Appreciate it. <laughs> right? Somebody got a foot up in the air because, all right. So, you sinned against God. That, thank you, sir. We, we've, that means we have a debt, right? The forgive, it's a debt that is owed. I need, I need, I need two people to volunteer to, to, to help me out with the illustration. Just throw your hand up. Two people. Two people. Yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. All right. So for the, for the purposes... Oh, no, you can stay there. I'm just going to point to you. For the purposes of our illustration, you've... Thank you. Thank you, though. Make some noise for her. She was, re- she was ready to get up on stage. I love it. I look, hey, I come from church. Everybody participated, so that's what I'm talking about. So for the purpose of our illustration, you've offended me. You've said something very mean or rude or tweeted me an emoji I didn't like. I don't know. You did something to hurt my feelings, right? And you, sir, have stolen $5 from me, okay? Just for the rest of church. Hope you repent before you leave. But you've offended me and you've stolen $5. So, so this is the thing. So, you now, so what's happened now is uh, you owe me a debt, right? It's a debt that you need to pay back or in the debt of offense that I need you to say I'm sorry for. You can't take those words back. They hurt. But you need to say, I'm sorry. And either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But there's a debt there. And if you don't pay that debt and I continue to hold on to it, I walk around with this debt on my shoulders. I think about all day, man, I can't believe she said that to me. I'm waking up at 3 in the morning like, how dare she send me that message? She doesn't understand what was going on that day. She hurt my feelings. How dare he? I needed that $5. I was hungry. He took it off my counter and just left. And he owes me 5 bucks. And I'm angry. But... I can let it go, I can go to him for payment, or I can hold on to it. But one way or the other, there's a debt that's occurred and it must be paid. And while we understand the simplicity of that, right, we understand how simple that is, this is exactly what's going on in the courts of heaven. From every thought, word, action, and deed that we've done against God or against somebody else made in his image, or even against ourselves. We've sinned and made a debt against heaven. The challenge is, we don't have enough in the bank to pay it back. We cannot pay it back. If heaven was to say, uh, make right your wrongs, pay back your debt to heaven society, there's, we don't have enough time in our account or enough money to make things right. And this is exactly why Jesus jumps on the scene. Uh, he comes in because we have these metrics of good and evil where we want to say, you know what? That was bad, but it wasn't that bad. That sin was bad, but at least it wasn't this. And we have these metrics that courts don't play out. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay. Imagine 
imagine the judge. Uh, there's, imagine, I stole, imagine I stole your car, right? And I took it on a joyride. I you know, ran off the road with it and, and hit somebody and took somebody's life and smashed your car and all that stuff. And we get to court and the judge is reading off the list of things. He's like, listen, you, uh, you've stolen a car. She can't get to work. You smashed the car. You hit somebody with the car and, and you've destroyed property. Like, how do you plead? I'm like, you know, I, I, I did it, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. Right? I apologize. Are we good? Can I just, can I leave? I'm, I said, sorry. Like, can I just leave here? And the judge says, the judge is like, no, like, I get that you're sorry, but somebody has to pay for this stuff, right? The way we treat God sometimes is like, look, God knows my heart. I, I said I'm sorry. Are we done now? Are we good? And if the judge is a good judge, as much as he may want to let you go, somebody's got to pay. Does that make sense, saints? I know you all agree with me already. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but th- some, we, once we get to this point, a lot of times we can pass by it and think that we can just kind of flippantly just ask God for forgiveness because, you know, we're on this side of the cross. A lot of times we don't, we don't reflect and reminisce and sit in the depth of the payment that was made. Jesus walks into the courtroom and says, listen, I will pay for it. If they will accept this on their account, let me take it and just let them go, but I'll take it for them. Somebody's going to pay and it's going to be me because he's the only one who can go down to the grave and bring himself back from it. So he does that on behalf of all of us. But how powerful was that payment that before you and I even got here, it was sufficient for the things you were going to do 2,000 years later if you'd accept it on your account? That's a powerful payment. That's a perfect payment. That's one that's done forever. Jesus steps in and fills that gap for us of the debt that is owed you and I. When I see the Lord, the scripture I have a hard time reading without tearing up is the one where his arms are stretched out six hours bleeding to death. And it's really not bleeding to death. It's really a slow process of losing breath, if you understand how to cross and how that whole thing worked. It was really just until you don't have the strength to hold yourself up to get breath anymore, which is why at the end of it, they went and broke the other two guys' legs because that way they wouldn't be able to push themselves up to get air. They just suffocated. And they went to break Jesus' legs, and he was already gone, so they didn't go through it to fulfill another prophecy. But Jesus is up there stretched out, struggling to breathe, back bloody, bruised, And he looks down at the folks that put him there, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is mind-blowing forgiveness. Now, I have zero expectation of you to reach that level or me. We may, I hope you do. I hope I do. But we're going to imperfectly stumble on our way to get to that place. So I don't put a pressure on you to perfectly be like that. I do say, that's the direction that we should be heading in, in the way we treat each other and treat our neighbors and treat ourselves. Does that make sense? We have a metric. I don't want to forgive at the level of imperfect you, and you, don't, you shouldn't want to forgive like imperfect me. I'm going to mess this thing up. We need to be looking at Jesus and saying, man, we need to be both be heading in that direction. Could we forgive the unforgivable? Could we do that? Uh, John Piper says this. He says, uh, forgiveness is the release of a perceived debt owed to me. Forgiveness is the release of a perceived debt owed to me. Perceived, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but it's releasing that debt that somebody owes against you. Um, My father and I had dinner, I was 20, and uh, we actually had a really good dinner. You know, he came down to Virginia Beach and I met him at a restaurant on the strip called Mahi's and 
And uh, we sat down, and this is my first dinner with my dad at 20 years old. And we laughed, and we joked, and we had a really good time. Um, at the end of that dinner, though, I guess because he'd gotten comfortable, he says, hey, son, is, is there any way that you would forgive me for what I've done to you? Is there any way you could, let, you could forgive me? And in that moment, the good dinner just went away. I'd forgotten all about it. I looked him dead in his eyes. I said, man, I will never forgive you for what you did to me. Like, how dare you think that one good meal could fix all this? I finally have the opportunity to reject you because you want me now. And now I get to hurt you back. I'm not letting this go. And I sent him back to D.C., and I, I was really happy. I enjoyed every single minute of it. So the Lord says, when his disciples ask him to pray, forgive us our debts in the present tense. Forgive us for what we're currently doing. Forgive us for what we need. Forgive, forgive me of what I thought and did this morning. Forgive me of the things I want to do. Forgive me of the things I've done in my past. Forgive us our debts, what we owe you. As we have already forgiven everybody that owes us something. You see the shift in language? Right? Forgive us in the present tense for what we need right now as we've already been forgiven everybody else. There's a a big shift in the language that I've never really paid much attention to until recently. Raise your hand if somebody's ever sinned against you and done you wrong. Show of hands if you've ever been hurt, offended, uh, taken advantage of anything. So the, the Lord is saying right here, listen, when you come to the Father to ask for the forgiveness you need in the moment for what you're currently doing and who you currently are, let it be after the backdrop of you giving away the very thing you're asking him for to everybody else. Make sure that if you're going to live a life expecting forgiveness, that you're living a life where you're giving it away to other people. Now, here's the tough part. When we forgive somebody, we struggle because most of the time they don't deserve it. Can I get an amen from the congregation? Amen. Right? They, they, don't, they, don't des- they don't deserve it. They don't. You're probably right. Your bitterness is justified. Can I say that one time in church without being heretical? Like you're angry. It hurts. It's okay. You're human. However, comma, if you're not, if you're not going to forgive them when they don't deserve it, why expect the king to forgive you when you don't deserve it? So if we're going to go and receive a grace that we don't deserve and the arms are wide open, you're going to get it even if your forgiveness journey isn't perfect, even if you're still holding, God is going to graciously drop this on you. But he's saying, I need you to walk in what my mentor, Dr. Jack Gaines, would call a reconciled paradigm, where you're willing to offer it away to people before it even shows up, for people that have offended and hurt you, where you're willing to forgive them and let it go. Not because it's easy and not because you're wrong, simply because you're giving away something you don't deserve as a reflection of what God has given you that you don't deserve. Does that make sense? We want to withhold forgiveness sometimes until the scales are balanced and things are made right. And listen, I'm about to, get, I'm about to do a breakdown of forgiveness in a minute that I pray is helpful. Where I've, I've noticed where certain believers struggle to let go of certain things. I hope this is going to help you with that in just a moment. But I know the, the biggest part is if you're, trying, if you're going to live a life that's forgiven, you have to live a life of forgiveness. A couple of quick passages where Jesus makes this really, really, really clear. He says, when you stand praying, when you come to me in prayer, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. The other one we've already read. 
If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, here's something we got to, here's, here's what I'm not saying. Is, is, is the Lord saying here that the amount of forgiveness he's going to give you is in direct correlation to how perfectly you forgive others? Does that line up with the counsel of Scripture and everything else in here? No, it doesn't. What I think the Lord is saying here is if you are not attempting to walk out and live a dynamic of forgiveness where you're forgiven the unforgivable, giving away what, what people don't deserve, perhaps the gospel you have believed is a conditional one and it's not actually the true gospel itself. Maybe you haven't actually believed what the Lord has actually said to you. And it's not that you're going to walk this out perfectly. When it comes to your mind, when you, when you stand praying and that, that offense you have against somebody else, I'm still mad at her for what she said to me. I'm still mad at him for the $5 he owes me. When that comes back to your mind, you hold on to that bitterness, tuck it to the side, and keep singing worship songs on Sunday. And the Lord has said, no, when, I, when this comes up to you, when you recognize that there's bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, are you willing to say, God, before I keep singing this song, before I give this offering, I need to lay this thing down. I need to let this debt go. I don't, I don't want to. I'm still mad. I'm still hurt. Would you help me? Because I want to be more like you than I am right now. And you just journey one more step of walking in the, as you have forgiven everybody else. It's not saying don't come to God until you perfect this. That doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. It's simply saying when you recognize these areas in your life, Take them to the king who died to give you what you don't deserve and work your best to give away what others don't deserve. Does that make sense? Y'all see the difference? Because it's so easy to read a passage like this and think, okay, well, he said, don't give your offering until, you know, if, you, if you're giving your offering, you have a problem, don't give the offering, go fix it, then come back and give the offering. So that means until I forgive everybody on my list, I don't got to give anything at church. That's not what I'm saying, right? It's saying when that thing comes to mind, say, Lord, I need, I need to work on this. Would you walk this process out with me? I had a pastor that did something really, really, really wicked in my life, like really just shamed my name and, and dragged me through the mud because I called him out on some stuff he was doing unrighteously, and he didn't like that. So he tried to just drag my name through the mud. And I, got it. I don't have time to get into the whole story, but it was all resolved that God vindicated me, blah, 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 but I hated this man. You understand? Like, you got the cloth on, you got the big cross, you, you're supposed to know, but you know the Bible better than me. I, I, was, I was so angry, and I went to my knees like, God, I don't like this guy, and I'm struggling right now, and I know I'm not supposed to feel this way, but I do. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord was just led me to pray for him. So I did what any of you guys would do. I started to pray that God would get him back and strike him with some lightning or something. Like, get, take, smite this guy. You got, that's a word, smite, with a mighty smiting. Like, take care of this dude. You know what I'm saying? It's King James. I started talking to King James. I don't even read King James. Anyway. <laughs> right? And the Lord says, nah, pray for him. I had to speak blessing over this guy's life that I didn't believe and didn't want to be true. Um, I didn't pray for God to bless his sin, obviously, but I was like, Lord, I do pray that this guy turns around. I don't want him to pay for what he's done. I, I pray that his family is healthy. I pray that things work out. I started to pray stuff I didn't, I didn't believe, and I said, God, I'm going to say these things. Work on me until I want these things to be true. That just, and the exercise of prayer changed me. A few weeks later, I realized I was in tears praying for a guy I had just hated and wanted the worst things to happen to and I was like, God, I pray you turn this man's life around because he, he doesn't need to be this. Everything could work out for him if he would just repent and believe and forgive me for the bitterness I held for the longest because I was shaming you doing that. And God just starts to 
work things out as you commit to walking in a reconciled paradigm, not as you do it perfectly. There's a huge difference. Now, I'll do this, and then I'll, I'll wrap up. But I don't know how much time I have. Uh, how much time I got? Okay, perfect. All right, so I come from Pentecostal church. Y'all stuck for like another hour and a half, so it is what it is. But I had, <laughs> it's just too late, lock the doors. But uh, <laughs> um, what I noticed, I will go talk about forgiveness places. And, and um, I was at school one time, and I was talking about why you should forgive and forgiveness. And I don't even think it was a Christian thing. I think it was a, 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 a non-Christian event. And a girl comes up to me, and she says, okay, all right, so to, forget, so to get forgiveness right, I need to... Um, I need to forgive the guy that abused me and, and, and make sure that, and open up my home to them and let them back in so I could show them that I trust them. And I said, no, 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 no. That's, that's, those are two different things. Those are two different things. And what I've learned as I go to places and talk about forgiveness in schools and prisons and churches, a lot of people lump together different aspects of forgiveness and think that if they, don't do, if they don't do one, that they haven't done forgiveness well. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to break down four aspects of forgiveness, and hopefully if you're dealing with anything, any situation, any issue or pain from your past or present, maybe this will help you separate what forgiveness is versus the other things so you know the steps to walk in and have a little more freedom in that. Is that okay? All right, so let's talk about forgiveness really quick. Um, here are four different aspects to forgiveness. I believe they're this. Forgiveness justice, trust, and reconciliation. Forgiveness, justice, trust, and reconciliation. I'm going to break these down quickly and simply, right? Forgiveness is simply letting the debt go. It is saying, it is saying that, you know what? You did say that to me. You did offend me. You hurt me when you said that. I've been carrying this debt on my life of I need you to make this right. I need you to apologize. I've added interest. I need you to grovel a little bit. I need you to hurt some. I need to see some tears when you say whatever my thing is, whatever debt payment I'm ascribing to this offense, I need that paid. And if it's not paid, I'm carrying that in my psyche. I'm walking around with it. It, uh, it's, It's building up bitterness in me. It's coming out in anger towards people I love because I'm walking around with this debt that's building interest on my shoulders. And it's been a decade, but it's still there. Because I'm waiting for you to pay it, whether we've communicated that well or not, or whether you said, I don't have anything to apologize for. I'm still mad and I'm waiting for you to pay it. I'm still waiting for my $5 back. It's up, we're up to $15 in interest now. Pay me back my money. You stole my money. You know what I mean? Like, and I, you know, it's just a, it's a happy meal, but I want my happy meal. Like, you messed me up. And I'm mad at you. And I'm carrying the debt. Forgiveness is not that you say, you know what, let me pay you back. You know what, you're right, I'm going to apologize. Forgiveness is the day I say, you know what? It's all good. Forget the five bucks. Don't even worry about it. We're good. We're good. If if you never say I'm sorry, I I forgive you. I let it go. Forgiveness is a one-sided street. No matter what somebody else does, you have the power to forgive whether they fix their end of it or not. Nobody can take that from you. Forgiveness is a one-way street. You got me? Justice is when the debt gets paid, when the wrong gets made right. You should always seek justice. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not more Christian to not seek justice. In fact, I got a slew of Old Testament scriptures that would say, that would agree with me on that. For justice is, you know what? I am going to pay you that five back. 
Matter of fact, I'm going to give you 10 because I shouldn't have taken that money off the counter in the first place. I'm sorry. You know what? I see what you're saying. It took me some years to get here, but I never should have spoken to you like that. I see why that hurt you. Please forgive me. I'm really sorry. That's justice. Bless you. And there's no reason that you shouldn't seek after that. The challenge is justice is in the free will of the person that owes it to you. And they may choose not to do it in this life. And that, and that, that may happen. In fact, it may happen a lot. It shouldn't, but we live in a fallen world. If you don't get justice, you can still forgive. I think you should pursue it. But if it's not going to happen in this situation, unfortunately, you still have the power to forgive and move on and be free. Trust is earning credibility. Trust is, this, this phrase helped me out a lot. Somebody said it. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. So somebody that, that, that you forgive, just because I forgive you, it don't mean I trust you. You know what I mean? This is the one where everybody gets it lumped together. They say, well, in order to be a good Christian, if I forgive somebody, that means I have to trust them and open my door up to them and, and be a doormat again and let them walk all over me for the glory of Jesus. Because he, no, that's not, what, that's not what it's saying here, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't be willing. Anytime that you give love and grace, you're risking offense and you're risking getting hurt. You can't walk this life out without risking. That's, that's part of it. That's part of the package here. But when you have a situation where I know this guy's going to steal $5 again, I'm going to forgive him, but I ain't going to leave my wallet out around him. You know what I mean? Not you, sir, but you, you know, just for the example. I hope not. I hope that's not true. It's, if there's got altar, you can repent later if it is true. Right? I know she's going to offend me again. So I don't really want to have conversations with her like that. I don't, we, we're not going to talk on the phone no more. Like, don't act like everything's good because you're still the same person unless I see a change in you or I just decide to give you the opportunity to earn my trust back, right? And if I do, then all right, well, let's have coffee. And it's okay for me to have, have you at a distance because I'm still a little hurt. I still got scars from what happened. I've forgiven you. I don't expect anything from you. But it, in order to earn trust, now I've got to make my, I got to be willing to make myself vulnerable and be willing to let you earn back some stuff. And maybe over time, I'll see that you're a different person. But if you know that you can forgive somebody of their debt so that your soul is good, but you can also seek justice and you don't have to trust them or, you, or that's in your, your decision, will you separate those things? It lets you know how to navigate with different instances of offense. Does that make sense? So I was able to say to that girl, listen, like, I highly want you to forgive this situation. But if they did to you what you told me you did, like, we still need to seek justice. We can call the police right now. Like, let's, let's go to the office and do that right now. Like, let's seek justice. And you don't have to trust them. But you don't have to wait for them to be better to make it right for you to walk in freedom either. And when you separate those things, there's a way to walk after justice and truth and, and all this type of stuff. To make. Does this make sense? Yeah. And the last piece is when somebody's earned that trust back. It's reconciliation. It's restoring the relationship. It's saying, you know what? I want to take the, the chance to mend what was broken in our friendship, in our romantic relationship, in our trust, in our work, whatever. Let's and maybe on the back end of this, we're better than we were before it happened because we've overcome a difficulty. The Bible says brothers born through adversity, right? Maybe on the back end, we're better friends, better lovers, better siblings than we ever were because we went through this stuff together. Who knows? But reconciliation is a two-way street. If they're not willing to reconcile, there's nothing you can do. That requires both people and all these other steps. You can forgive without the last three things, but you can't get the last three things without the first, which is just. Does that make sense? So uh, six months after I met my father, and I'm wrapping up, is um, 
a lady walked, I, I just, I was calling him, cussing him out, enjoying it uh, every minute. Well, he would call me and I would cuss him out and hang up on him just because like, I was enjoying hurting him back for a change, right? Lady walks into my office where I'm selling insurance and she says, uh, I, don't know, uh, I don't know why I'm here, but uh, God told me to come tell you something. If you don't get that bitterness out of your heart, whatever's going on, you'll never make it into the kingdom of heaven with that. Just kind of walked off on me. Yeah, right, exactly. And I was like, this, this is the rudest message ever on like a Tuesday. It was really rude. She shouldn't have said that. Um, fast forward three months. I did call my dad. And I said, and, and, and just for backdrop, I'm not with Jesus at the time. I left church. I ain't care about none of this stuff at the moment. But um, I called him and I said, look, man, I, um, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this looks like. But I'm going to let it go. I forgive you. I love you. Let's figure this out. And we had this beautiful conversation where you could feel the chains fall off of this broken man's shoulders. But you could, you could also feel them. I felt them fall off mine. And uh, he was like, let me, let me come down and I'll get a hotel. I just want to come see you. And, and I was like, eh, hey, slow up. You know, you're doing too much. But, uh, but we're good, though. We'll figure that out. But I love you. I forgive you. Let's, let's go from here. Click. It was a good conversation. I'm really glad we had it. Uh, I didn't know it would be our last conversation. Right after that call, he passed away. We never spoke again. And my, so my literal last conversation with him is, I forgive you. And I was stuck with three questions or three things to wrestle with. Because I was hurt. I was like, what well, is obviously no God because what type of God? There's no plan here. There's no, why would he do this? Or, if there is a God, he's mean. Because why would you bring him back just to take him away? What, do you, what games are you playing? Or, there is a God. And he really, really cares about forgiveness. And that's where I landed. Right there in my grandmother's basement. No song, no sermon. I hit my knees and said, Jesus, if this is who... Grandma, I've been talking about. I give up. I'm yours. Changed my life. And forgive me for all the stuff I'm doing out here, trying to cover up my pain because I didn't want to forgive somebody else. And God changed my life that day. It starts at that cross point of forgiveness. The reason why I'm so passionate about this message, particularly right now, I don't have to make a case to you about division and divisiveness, whether we're talking about justice issues, race, socioeconomics, politics, theological views, atheists being mad, whatever it is, we're going to find something to fight about. If we do fix something, we're going to find, find something else to fight about in this place. But I, my, if, if nobody else understands the importance of forgiveness as a primary metric of life, it's got to be us. Because if we don't get it, I, I ain't got no hope for anybody else. And the way things are about to go politically in our country, you're going to see people that are in the kingdom that are talking the devil's tongue against fellow believers because they hate who they're voting for. And I, I, I may never get invited back to beat church for saying this, but I pray to God that ain't you. I, I pray to God you hold a better standard than that. People lost 40-year friendships in the last presidential election that they ain't fixed yet. In the kingdom. You feel me? 
They're going to get to heaven, and, and the first tears are going to drop is how much time they wasted because of a four-year thing that, sh- that flipped anyway. We can't live like this, man. But maybe that's not your issue. Maybe it's something parental. Maybe it's something familial. Maybe a spouse did you wrong. Maybe a pastor did you wrong. Maybe, maybe you just look in the mirror and you do you wrong because of how you feel about yourself. Jesus will, was willing to die for you, and you don't think you're worth it. Whatever the sin is there, I urge you to look at this metric of forgiveness and say, how can I let this debt go? How can I forgive myself of who I've been? How can I forgive them from what they've said and done? And maybe I need to seek justice. Maybe I need to see if they're worth trusting. Maybe I need to reconcile. Maybe I don't need to do anything but let it go and walk away. Whatever God has for you, my prayer is that you ask him and just take a step towards doing that. Whatever that next step is, I don't need you to master this. I don't need you to, to, to get to the, to, the, to the goal line of this. I just need you to say, I want to live in a reconciled paradigm where I'm saying, Father, forgive me as I already have forgiven everybody else. And those who I think I've forgiven and I really haven't, bring it up in my heart, Spirit, so I could repent to you and go fix it, give an apology, request one, or walk away. But walking in forgiveness, we cannot treat this as an optional biblical command, and too many of us do. And Jesus did not make this an option for us. So my prayer for you guys is that you walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Would you close your eyes and pray with me real quick? God, I just want to ask my friends, uh, ask you, Lord, first of all, thank you for your great patience with us, that you're not waiting for us to get this together before you offer us all of yourself. You gave us 100% when we were walking in the other direction. You're not on this side expecting us to now magically figure out 100% and perfect things and be morally perfect. You get that we don't get this all the way. And I thank you for your graciousness towards us. However, I do pray that we would take intentionality when working out this metric of forgiveness in a world that's very unforgiving. We are steeped in a cultural stew of indebtedness and hatred and finger pointing and it's their fault and them over there and these people. And Father, we, as much as we think we're not them, we are. We all do it. We all got a list. And you're gracious to know that about us too. But I pray today that we would think about those who have offended us or those that we've offended. And we would say, Lord, what's the next step in my life to address this? What's the step towards letting the dead go? What's the step towards going to apologize? What's the step towards forgiving or thinking kindly of this group of people made in your image who I don't like that much because of X, Y, and Z? Whatever we're dealing with in the unforgiveness space, let it not be a foothold Satan has on your people any longer. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reveal to us what the next step is for us and that we would do it, that we would, uh, that we would come to you and say, forgive us our debts as we've already forgiven everybody else. I thank you for paying the price for all of those debts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, legend. Um, Amen. I want us to pray this morning uh, that God would forgive us. That he would uh, take those hurts, those pains that we've held on to, and that he would, we would give those to him today. We're going to pray today. I'd love for you to have an opportunity to just hug someone, shake their hand before we come down here and take communion. But also, when we come down here, I'll explain some more when we do it, but we're going to make a space for you to come down here. And when you take communion, 
We want to create a space, an opportunity for you to come down here and to have prayer. You may think, well, I don't know if I'm, I need prayer for anything. The Lord spoke this to me this week as I was praying about this. He said, if nobody else thinks they have a need for prayer, I want you to stand there and let them pray for you. Because it doesn't matter how important you are, how much you know, or what titles you hold. All of us could use some prayer. And all of us have something that uh, we need others to, to lift us up in. That's what community is about. So we don't walk out of here feeling alone or isolated. And I believe that God can bring healing. God can bring victory. God can bring deliverance. So I'd like us to pray a prayer of repentance. And I'd love for you to go around and just rejoice in the fact that we have each other. That as much as the enemy tries to divide, we can walk around and we can hug each other's neck and we can have the peace of God in our lives, in the midst of chaos. And then I want us to prepare our hearts to come down here and receive of the Lord and to pray with each other. Can we do that today? Well, we thank you for your word that was spoken today. We thank you for the message that we received. God, I pray that you would forgive us. Lord, there have been times we have not loved you with our whole heart. There have been times we've not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, there have been times where we've sinned against you in word or thought or in deed, Lord, by the things we've done and the things we've left undone, by the things we've said, Lord, and the things we haven't said. But, Lord, we thank you that in your amazing love and grace, you have made it possible for us to walk in forgiveness, to experience that forgiveness, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us that we could be free. And we thank you today that we can rejoice in that freedom. We can experience that freedom today. And God, I pray that you would continue to be with us today as we prepare our hearts, as we greet one another, as we focus on what you have spoken to us, Lord. May we not leave this place having not surrendered all to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just go around and greet one another for a few moments this morning? Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.